I was obsessed so much that I wanted to learn like the chemical makeup of like actually constructing them from scratch. So it started with just like ripping apart fireworks and then it evolved to like, oh, I'm literally now using like my mom's information to order raw chemicals offline and like create literal like proper fireworks, not just bombs, like proper fireworks, like even mortars that they shoot up into the air for like completely wow. from scratch. Rock Nation, welcome back to episode 67 of the 505 Podcast. Today's guest hails from the land of Portland, Oregon. He's a filmmaker, DP, YouTuber, a Sony shooter, and he's off the market. His wife is in town. She is a live audience member today. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Ryan Cow. Ryan, you, welcome. This is our first time with a live audience, so I'm excited. No, this is cool. Yeah, this is great. I'm super stoked. You got to start us off, though, with the one-handed crack, and he hasn't practiced at all, know. so this is just I know. Raw. I'm like, I was feeling confident going into it, and then mm. like now that we're here, now that we're rolling, I'm like, on. a little, little, so little shaky. When I went to Erewhon, I actually tested about 12 cans, and I wanted to give you the best chance to actually oh, succeed at this, so okay, give it to me right now. All right. Okay, one hand. Yep. It's feeling good. Yep. Oh, okay. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I know. Yeah, yeah. You can't. You yeah, can't, can't get, get the this finger thing, thing started. Yeah. yeah, I don't want you to. Yep. You know, really it was a little. It was yeah, a little wet on the top. I know. I, I know. Little, I just want. I just want you to know. Okay. Okay. Sure. Here we go. Yep. No full dent. Oh, oh right. full dent. Full oh. dent. You. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It happens. It happens. Oh. We're gonna start off with a three nine, but I'm yeah, really happy to have you. And we got you your favorite drink. It's it's a pleasure to be here. Root beer flavor, dude. Root beer. Come on. You kidding me? I mean, we're we're adults nowadays, so right. So it's like sugar. Yeah, is the enemy. It stays. It really does stay now. Oh, dude, it's insane. It's crazy. How like terrible it'll make you feel. You like put down like a, a little chocolate bar or something like that, and you're just like, oh, I don't feel good. I think <laughs> yeah. I, I got to stay away from those airhead extremes because I'll be going to 7-Eleven. It's too close, and I just eat like two of those a night, and then I'm like, oh my god. Every time I wake up in the morning, it's yeah. a bad decision. Mm -hmm. If there's a place to eat healthy, though, it's L.A. Oh, dude, <laughs> For so sure. much options. Yeah, just anywhere you go, like there is somehow like an healthy alternative yeah. like that's around the corner vegan somewhere vegan yeah everything. everything everything do you so. feel like an la uh like native yet are you like accustomed no, dude, to living here? Close. i no. mean so it's it's funny it's like that you know we moved down here like about nine months ago so we're coming up on like the year mark and so far everything's been incredible but it's like even though before moving here like for multiple years i was here probably like, twice a month so i've spent plenty of time like i know the majority of the neighborhoods but like nothing about it yet feels like creature comfort like relaxed like still trying to find the groove you know but I'm I feel like it takes a year from what I, my girlfriend moved from Oregon with me and she felt the same way I think yeah. she's just came up on a year and she was like I finally feel like I've met a couple friends it's just it's yeah. hard to kind of get situated I feel like in a new city it definitely I mean it's like it's unique because it's like a lot of the times when people are moving to LA like it's usually work driven or mm -hmm. career driven or motivation you know there's some amount of kind of like you know, um, pressure that comes associated with like making it here. Right. Mm. Um, so I feel like a lot of times, like the first year, like you're really almost like trying to ask the question of like, was it worth it? Like, am I like getting the value out of it? So you're not really giving yourself like full opportunity to like actually connect with people and like develop long-term friendships that like give you that sense of like grounding and like friendship. 
Do, so. you, do you feel like now you're kind of getting those friendships, like starting to build those up? Slowly, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's like there's a couple of guys now that I've been working with pretty frequently that are like proving to, you know, not just be like work relationships. Like they're like total homies. Like, you know, they, they come over and spend time with us, like, you know, treat my wife like really, really well. And it's just like, it's, you know, it's a really, really good opportunity to like finally have those. Um, but it's like, I'm definitely finding that like, it takes more time. Like everybody's like super driven here. Like everybody's got their shit going on. So it's like, you know, lining up with schedules and like, you know, making sure, you know, like you guys are actually able to meet up and have like positive conversations that aren't just like super work motivated. Like mm. it's different. You know what I mean? Like mm. back home versus like in Oregon or like, you know, other States, I feel like oh, there's a lot more people who aren't like hustling to like make a career out of it. So it's kind of like, you know, you can, find those more friendly conversations a little easier totally and what was the reason that brought you out to la like why not stay in portland well i mean like i said there was for probably about two years probably twice a month i was flying down here for projects working with different clients and you know just traveling or working out of here to travel to other places um just because again so many of my um my long-term kind of client clientele excuse me and network of friends are just kind of base here right um so it wasn't that like portland was holding me back by any means like there was nothing about it that i feel like was taking away from my ability to do well but the direction that i'm like currently kind of trying to head with everything that i'm doing you know being a commercial cinematographer you know continuing to try and kind of build up that reputation and portfolio the market in portland is big obviously like nike's out there like adidas like tons and tons of like the major sportswear brands and stuff are operating kind of out of portland offices um but the problem is is a lot of the production companies that do that work they're the first call every time mm -hmm. right and so it's like they have their crew that they utilize like pretty much 95 percent of the time like occasionally they'll hire in their contract and extra people um so it's like it's not like i couldn't get that work but it was definitely like a bigger fight than it needed to be and so like you know doing the youtube stuff was like a big supplementary you know income source for me just like over the last like five years or so and that's been really great but also kind of on the flip side of that it's like portland doesn't really have like a lot of that that type of like creator demographic and so it's like it's cool you know i'm like a little bit of a bigger fish in a smaller pond in a way but at the same time like that is kind of like gets a little stale it's like you know i want to be in an area where i do have people who are like pushing and like trying getting out and shooting new stuff and like just being like excited about things and it's like oh like i have so many friends down in la who are like going for it and i'm up here just like yeah did well, you i'll see you next month i'll fly down <laughs> yeah. did you feel like in portland because i i was in eugene like based out there yeah but a lot yeah. of those guys were from portland did you feel like you had a decent community of any filmmaker friends or photographer friends out I, there yeah 100 percent. ironically a lot of the people that i work with down here were from portland and then mm -hmm. i had met like in that that community like there was a really actually really cool group of like very unique kind of creative upcoming people kind of in the portland scene um like my barber for instance that i was going to for like five years is just like an amazing stylist designer creative director type guy and he's got a bunch of buddies um What's your barber's name? Kyle James. I got my hair cut by Kyle one time. That's Dude, he's so the funny. boy. <laughs> my, Kyle's a man. Yeah, Shout Kyle, out Kyle. Kyle cuts great hair. My friend Henry uh, introduced me. You know Henry? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, Hen Henry introduced Henry's like, we're going to this, but we're going to do like a house call at this guy's house. I'm like, oh, yeah. let's go. This is going to be so sick. He's up in that high rise apartment. Yeah. Really cool. He does yeah. it. And he does an amazing haircut. Oh, he, he's, and he's just like a cool fucking mm -hmm. guy. Like, he's so swaggy. <laughs> yeah, dude. He's like, his tattoos are insane. He's like, got he all just these, like has the look. He's got all these clothes, dude. He sells clothes and 
and does he's the, a, yeah hand hand it, cut and sew and stuff. So and does the haircut set of the apartment. Yeah. My so. barber also is like fully tatted. And I feel like the move is to have like a fully tatted swag <laughs> swag barber. You know dude. the fade's gonna be on point. Yeah, you get the you get the connects too. He's yeah. they got the style advice and everything. Um, no, but I mean. Yeah, like, you know, in my time of kind of getting into the freelance world and kind of beginning to build up like a portfolio and a reputation, like, yeah, a lot of the Portland people I knew were super supportive and encouraging of that. So, you know, when I when I say like Portland wasn't really like motivating or inspiring, it's not I, I can't fully like hate on it for that regard, but it's like it's nothing like L.A., you know what I mean, where it's like any and everybody that we talk to, whether you go out to a bar, whether you're like in, you know, fucking line at fucking uh, wow, I was just about to say a restaurant name and I blanked it, dude. I can't. I, I'm not an LA guy. Like anybody and everybody's like doing stuff, and like mm. it's it's different in that sense with Portland. But um, I mean, yeah, there was there was a lot of guys who were you know like obviously you're from Oregon. You know, I, I've known a lot of people that come out of Portland and stuff that have like been doing pretty amazing things. But um, yeah, I just wanted to do something that you know would give me an opportunity to make another step and you know just taking decisions more seriously, you know, making lifestyle changes to keep pushing the direction I, I'm striving for. Yeah, and you brought up a really good point. You felt like a big fish in a small pond. Right. And Braden, you've given really good advice about this. It's like, we did a whole episode about should you move to a big city and like the pros and cons mm -hmm. of it. I feel like when you're first starting out, you know, it's great to be in a major city like LA, like there's a lot, lot of opportunity, but there's a ton of competition as well. Yeah. And I feel like perfect your skill, get better at your craft and build up your portfolio and become, go from a small fish in a small-ish pond to like the yeah. big fish in that mm. sp small pond. 100%. And then you can move and go to a big city like LA or New York and yeah. then um, I feel like that gives you a better chance for success and to take that next step in your career. Exactly. No, I mean, I we we briefly kind of touched on this on uh, on ed's uh, ed and paul's mid convo pod podcast and like one one thing that i feel like i've kind of learned and absorbed and you know in watching other friends and creators that i've known that have kind of made lifestyle changes and in city moves and stuff is that if your motivation for moving to a new city is to catch your wave of motive or of of success whether that's growing on instagram whether that's building up a more like reliable freelance network if the hope is that the move will give you that probably not the right time i think if you're in the current city you you know you're operating out of and you've gotten some amount of success you know like you've you've kind of started to get the little fire going like you're you know you're getting recognition you're getting people reaching out to you getting inquiries to travel to other places i think that's a really good sign so at that point you know if you're considering making the move to take the next step you're not you're not worried about succeeding or finding clients it's like okay well how can i do this smarter like how can i create more long-term projection excuse me predictability and you know projectability of building my brand moving to a city at that point might be a move like if it's financially doable to you and you have kind of that safety net built up with cash flow and everything like you know especially if you got homies in that new city like i don't think there's anything that's going to go wrong yeah definitely definitely so six years ago where is that when you started making youtube videos or are these older ones archived Oh boy. <laughs> wow. Good call there. Um, six years ago is when I, I think I started taking video and filmmaking seriously, but yes, you are correct. Okay, there, are, there are about 
12 years of archived YouTube content. Do you ever go back and like look at how far you've came? On um, some of these every videos? once in a while, somebody will, you know, like whether it's like friends, conversation at dinner or something like that, somebody will bring it up and I'll kind of talk on it and then I'll kind of like get a little nostalgic and go look at some of them due to like, there's some videos that are like straight pre-puberty voice. Like, really? like little baby Ryan, just like voice cracking on camera. <laughs> like it's horrible. But that's how, I mean, that's how you get, you start and you practice and you kind of find your voice. What what yeah. year did you start working at the camera shop in Portland? I I started working at Pro Photo Supply, which is like the, the main kind of go-to camera store in Portland. Um, I want to say it was 20, the end of 2014. Did you learn a ton from that job or were you pretty knowledgeable already of cameras and technology and all I that would, stuff? I would say I was pretty overall... Un, you know, very, very competent with like a lot of the ins and outs of like the camera, you know, like for instance, you know, I, the big motivation as to like what got me into like pursuing kind of photography and videography is I bought like a Canon T2i, right? Like the classic first DSLR for everybody. It's like T2i or T3i or I whatever. I had the T3i, yeah. There you go. I bought a T3, my T2i, I tried to do like a firmware like hack on it with uh -huh. Magic Lantern. I don't know if any of you guys Oh yeah. Dude, oh, I forgot yeah. about Magic Lantern. Yeah. You just Magic, the yeah, memory. dude, I know. Yeah, you're trying to like unlock like all these yeah. other like video codec profiles and all this shit dude's like fucking grandpa stuff here <laughs> like there's so many creators that are literally gonna have no clue yeah, <laughs> what that is. yeah. um but i tried to update it and it and it bricked it and so oh. I, I, I did go get a t3i because i was like getting ready to do a photo shoot like the next week and i was like you had to use all like my summer money that i'd saved yeah. up and that like, t3i was like groundbreaking i remember yeah, we, were, we were using gopros for most stuff and then yeah. one of the friends got the t3i and we're like this is a movie, yeah. dude. This, oh. We're making movies over dude, here. I don't know what you guys are doing, but we're making movies. You, you get like a 50, like 1.8. Yeah. You it's like just open the lens up and it's like, oh my God, I'm Roger Deakins. <laughs> Spielberg's <laughs> calling. Dude. That's it funny. takes it to a new level. You're lucky though that you realized that it was bricked before you show, showed up on set. Yeah. Because I've had set. a few <laughs> times. Or set or a shoot, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I've had a few times where my camera has broke or like my lens has broken i didn't realize and like I, nothing happened it just like oh yeah it's like the the lens was broken wasn't reading on the on the camera and i showed up to yeah. shoot and i'm like i literally don't know what's going on like try to reset the my focus is like yeah, me, 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 yeah. literally was <laughs> yeah. not reading my lens so yeah it's crazy <laughs> tough um but, but no, going into that job, so basically the, the, the way it happened is I got approached by um, a recommendation uh, from one of my, my dad's friends or something like that, that kind of like was familiar with that store. And he's like, hey, like you have a son that's like pretty into like cameras and tech stuff, like the pro photo supply, they need holiday help. So I got hired like right around like, you know, October, September, October, something like that, going into the holiday season, just like the whole three month Black Friday, Christmas thing. Um, and so it was part time and I just, quickly just meshed into it and it was like i felt so excited to be able to just like play with like every brand new camera at the time like that was when like sony mirrorless like was first hitting mm. the scene and like just exploding so like it was like getting to play with all the cameras like could take stuff home on on days off or whatever um and like within that first year like i like the, i think the following year i'd got hired with the second black friday i worked i was like top salesperson like was just like slanging cameras you know what i mean <laughs> like it was it was crazy were you doing youtube i saw some of the youtube videos in the camera shop yeah. itself so <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> i thought it was great that i mean it ended up like working out how often were you uploading was it at that time period were you like youtube or bust 
or what did it kind of look like? Because obviously now your career path is taken a little bit of a change. You're now sure. DPing work, you're doing documentary filmmaking and whatnot. Yeah. So at that time though, what was on your mind? Were you thinking it's just YouTube and I want to maybe move to LA or was LA even on the thought process? No, it's it's, it's so funny that you correlate the, the LA thing to that. So it's like, I wasn't making YouTube videos when I first started there. I was basically just doing like portrait shoots, like senior photo shoots and stuff like that. That was like really the only thing I was doing with photography, like while working there. Um, but as I was working there and getting these opportunities to like meet tons of people, that's how I met like Henry. That's how I met like mm. Tom Bender, like literally pro photo supply, like Ilgander. Like I'm not sure. Yes, if ever. Dude, he's, he's, he's insane. Wait, he's, Henry he's, XX? Yeah. Yeah. The boy. Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> it's a small, small world. It it's is such a small world. Um, but no, I mean, I was just a friendly face and like most of the guys who worked in that store were like pretty old. I don't know if you've ever pulled up in Sammy's and it's like, yeah. you don't want to talk to anyone. Dude, Sammy's, we got to figure out Sammy's. Not to shit on Sammy's for half no, a No, we can shit on Sammy's. We <laughs> shit on Sammy's. Dude, every time I go to Sammy's camera, I'm like trying to stand in line. Like I just here to pick up a light and they're like taking 97. I, if you open up a camera shop in LA, it would compete. Guaranteed. Yeah. Guaranteed. I'm going to be blacklisted from Sammy's camp. <laughs> oh, dude, it's the only place open we can't. Yeah, you're going to walk in the front door. There's going to be a picture. Yeah, yeah. You. Fucking mother. Um, yeah. And so like just the fact that I was like a young person, like I'm, I'm not fact checked, but like I'm pretty sure I was the, the youngest person that's ever worked at the store. Um, that was like, I, I think I just turned 18. Like I was like super, super fresh. Like I technically that was supposed to be my final year of high school and I was doing online courses and also didn't graduate. <laughs> No way. Oh, wow. Yeah. Really? I was, that was supposed to be the the year, the first year I got hired for temporary help was that was my final year of school. And I just like, it started consuming more and more of my time. And like, I was doing really good with it and like making decent income. And, you know, I talked to my parents and they're basically just like, well, I mean, like, if you feel like you just want to keep going with this for a couple of years, like just, you know, figure out your GED or something like that at some point. And it's not like I had had major ambitions to like go to like later education. Um, so it was just like, OK, cool. Like, I mean, we'll just give it a little bit of time. And like as, they were like, as long as you're like actively putting in steps to keep becoming an adult, like we're not going to like, you know, fall you. So they were supportive in the filmmaking stuff, your your dad and your mom or no? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, because like I said, like I, I'd been making videos and like doing stuff with cameras and kind of learning just the ins and outs of like content for, you know, since I was like 11 years old, like 2008 was when I made my first like YouTube video. And what was like the reason you picked up a camera in the first place? Oh boy. I mean, we're, we're pivoting here, but um, I mean, long story short, like I was just one of those kids that was like obsessed with YouTube. Like when mm. that like became like a literal like Google search engine for like anything you wanted, like not only was it just like comedy and humor and skits and shitty music videos and stuff, it was like actually like you could start learning shit off YouTube. Yeah. Um, I was just like crazy, like ADHD with like hobbies when I was little. Tell like, me about it, dude. <laughs> oh man. Oh bro, we could talk about this for hours. <laughs> yeah. I literally have this thing at my, my mom printed this thing out and it's like a, it's a picture and it has every silly hobby that I picked up for two weeks oh, and got man. good at. And then it it's, it's like 47 different things on yeah, this Yeah, I, I would love to actually like- We gotta chat about that after. That out and, so and see what it's like um but the the first thing that that sparked me making youtube videos it's gonna sound super like left field but like i was obsessed with like fireworks like everybody like every little kid right every boy like pyro, growing dude. Up, dude okay so my channel's name people are gonna go fucking search this but i changed the name of the channel oh, and the, the channel's name was mr pyro enthusiast that's amazing <laughs> dude i think i was subscribed to you actually <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was watching those videos. That's so, it's it's funny because I actually have had a couple of people on my current channel that have been like, 
did you used to make fireworks videos That's like incredible. 10 years ago? That's amazing. Um, but no, I mean, it wasn't like, obviously, like every boy growing up, like 4th of July comes around and we just, we go fucking crazy. Um, and, you know, you tear apart like Piccolo Pete's or whatever and mm-hmm. make bombs and stuff. It got to the point wow. where I was like, no, no, no. But here's the thing is like, I was obsessed so much that I wanted to learn like the chemical makeup of like actually constructing them from scratch. So it started with just like ripping apart fireworks and then it evolved to like, oh, I'm literally now using like my mom's information to order raw chemicals offline and like create literal, like proper fireworks, not just bombs, like proper fireworks, like even mortars that they shoot up into the air for like completely wow. from scratch. <laughs> so I like, those were my first like- At what, like 12 years old? Yeah. <laughs> Your That's mom's epic. like, Ryan, another package came to the house. You're like, yeah, it's, yeah, fine. it's fine. It's school supplies. Yeah, yeah. No, seriously. I, uh, I, we always used to joke that's like, I am probably 100% on like some oh, sort of like, like local organ police watch list for 100%. like doing weird, you know, chemicals, illegals. <laughs> I don't know. Um, whole different story. The crazy part about that, like, obviously, like, it's one thing to like, you know, like start making chemical fucking like literally breaking bad shit and like my dad's like back shit. It, I, it, I had to move my my setup like my little workshop like multiple times like my mom got tired of it being in the garage at one point so like my parents were split so went to my dad's house and like took over the fucking shed in the backyard <laughs> and he's just like jesus christ <laughs> like what's your kid doing it's yeah like, Poof. <laughs> <laughs> That's bad. That's so funny. Yeah. So you're doing you're doing the firework YouTube. When does when do you kind of pick up the fascination with filmmaking or with making videos? Oh, we still got a long way to go. Man. Oh, we still got a long way I, to go. There was that. probably like 130 videos on that channel. Oh, wow. All about fireworks. Yeah. Dude, were they doing brand deals for fireworks back in the day? You're just the TNT guy, like, on the side of the thing. I'm literally, I'm literally you, go you, go, you go buy fireworks, and I'm like, now the... Yeah, you're just, like, the face with, like, the big mortars yeah. in your head. That's um, hilarious. No, that, that channel probably existed for, like, three years or so, like, that I would, like, pretty continuously, like, full-time during the summer was, like, pumping out content. And it wasn't even like that I was like building some crazy audience. Like I think it got up to like 1200 subscribers or something like that. And I, it got to the point like toward the end of kind of like that channel's life that I did kind of start posting like other types of videos and things. Um, but long story short, that was not the, the only channel. Like I did a full channel about car audio. Audio. Yes, like speakers and stuff, but not just like, like, you know, little fucking bedroom setups with like the Sony boom boxes and shit. Like, no, I was literally buying like straight up real car audio, like subwoofers and speakers and amps and like car head units. And I was like wiring them with like computer power supplies, like for the 12 volt like power in like building full like car audio setups in my room. That's wild. Wow. I like how both of you are just <laughs> I like, was like I'm, I did not expect yeah. you to take a turn into and car audio. So okay, fireworks, car audio. That channel, that that car audio channel probably had like fifty or sixty videos. Okay, um, you're cranking vids. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like Do you feel like that all these different YouTube channels allowed you to refine the craft of making a video and just telling a good story? Hundred percent. I um somebody. It's it's so funny. Somebody on one of my recent stories that I posted of like a, a t- like a timeline I was working on. They were just like, how many hours do you think like you put in to like get to like the point you're at? And I was like trying to roughly like kind of like do some math or whatever. And I don't know if I have an accurate number, but it's it's for sure like well over 10,000. Like well, well over 10,000. On the most recent seven continent documentary. 
for no 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 no, many, no 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 not how many hours it took me to edit no how many hours do you think i put in he's oh, put in his ten thousand. oh okay yeah, okay, the ten, okay, the okay classic, got it, got it. like ten thousand hours i told i was like i thought you were talking about a most recent Dog, project yeah ten thousand hours like, on my documentary I'm like, you're taking a lot of time ryan you've just not slept for the last like that was just a few weeks ago that you got back. no ten thousand hours i think is like four years or some shit i'm not good at math you know <laughs> so uh, <laughs> That's funny. And okay. this is why we went to school. This is why we went to, this is why we did the video stuff. That's why I switched out of STEM. Um, like, Damn. So when you get done with the car audio, is there how many more channels until you actually get to filmmaking? I want to say like four. Wow. Four more channels that all probably had like between like 20 to 50 more videos. All different industries. Mm -hmm. Wow. All okay. like completely different. Um, and so the funny part about that is like throughout that kind of overall span of like that decade approximately like 10 years of kind of making all of those different channels never at any point did it like occur to me that i wanted to be a filmmaker it was literally just like i had all these hobbies like i knew it wasn't making any fucking money like the monetization rules for youtube back then was like way stricter like you could like you had to like get to the like a thousand subscribers or whatever to get the partner you know verification like just all that stuff it was i know the rules are like very different now but back then it was like it seemed impossible there was never like a like oh you can just start a youtube channel and make money like now you can monetize fucking anything but, you know, at that point, like it wasn't like oh, I'm going to make a job out of this. It wasn't like I'm going to, you know, somehow become like a cinematographer or anything. I was just like making videos to learn. And I wanted to like keep doing like my hobbies and stuff. And it was like a fun way to just kind of fuel it all. That's I mean, dude, I think that it's amazing to just see your progression because I see all these crazy videos that you're working on now. And to think that you started 10 years ago just doing this for fun, like many of us, I feel like most of the creators that I talk to, we all start off either making home videos or making videos about some random thing exactly. that you enjoy. Skateboarding, snowboarding. Skate Sorry, that was another. It wasn't a channel, oh, but yeah. I, I was making tons of videos about that. Were you pretty nice at skating? I wasn't great at skating. Um, I funny enough, I got like pretty heavy into like aggressive rollerblading. I wasn't, I was like pretty, pretty Shin guards, decent knee pads, you were just speed, <laughs> one speed. I am, I am the rollerblade. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 like the, like the freestyle rollerblading and stuff. And so like all, you know, all of my friends, like the skate park in the hometown that we grew up, like everybody kind of did different stuff. I had a few kids that were like super good at like fucking insane at scootering, like fucking pro level scooters and like BMX and all that stuff. And so I would like, you know, I was rollerblading cause that's kind of what I was better at. So I liked it, and it but it also lended itself really well to filming. Right, like following Ooh. and shit. It, like the, you, there's tons of DPs that I know that are like will use like rollerblades. Like some people use like one wheels and stuff. Like, yeah, and that's the move for sure. But they're still <clears throat> dangerous. Like, are <laughs> totally. you fucking playing? Like, um, I would be, I saw, I'd be so sad. I saw a dude, like an elderly guy, just like full knee pads, elbow pads, yeah, helmet on a pink one wheel, like oh going mind, down dude. Wilshire. I was Respect. like, what are you I doing? I fucking kid you not. In Portland, my my wife and I, Kylie, we were just like out at this little bar, like in in the Pearl District in Portland, just like grabbing like some pizza and beers. A full fucking squad of like 120 guys pull up on like one wheels and like little mono wheels all lit up. They were doing like a group ride through Portland and they all just pull up. They're like just pounding beers and we're just like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. <laughs> that That's the most Portland thing I've ever heard. Though. 100%. That's like, that is where it would originate, yeah, dude. That's where take, the club starts. People take photos of like the unicycle guy with uh, the fucking yes. Darth Vader mask yes, and yes, the bagpipes. Yes, yes. It's like, that's weird as fuck, but he like, you know, he's unique. He's got his thing. But then you get like the group rides of fucking one wheel boys that are just like all dialed in. Some of them have like these crazy helmets and shit. And it's just like, that's you funny. are a nerd, dude. <laughs> I feel I feel I'm, I feel I'm on that. Don't I'm, give me. I'm, I'm sorry. I can't. I can't <laughs> no, show it on it. You know, it's environmentally friendly. Like you know, they're doing the world a favor. But like, so funny. damn, you look 
funny doing <laughs> it. <laughs> so you finally end up making your way after all these different channels to being a filmmaking YouTuber. Yeah. You're starting to crank out these videos. We went down six years ago. We were checking them, checking them out. That's where I knew that you got your yep. haircut by Kyle because I saw that your last video at six years ago, you were getting a fade by Kyle James, which is so go. funny. But you end up, you know, you're, you're messing around making videos, right? At what point do you say, I'm going to full blown, I'm going to upload once a week or I'm going to yep. upload two times a month, whatever it looked like for you. Yeah. So it's like pro photo supply, right? You know, we're doing the thing there, like working, starting to uh, actually kind of figure out like, oh, this industry is like kind of like achievable. Like I can probably start, you know, if I put myself out there and start like assisting a bunch of these guys for free, like literally just asking them when they're coming in to like grab a SD card or whatever. So like, yo, if like you're, if you have a shoot and you need like some help, like I, this is my off day, like I can pull up. And I did that for probably like the next following year straight, like working for free, assisting on all of these different sets, like working with, you know, photographers doing commercial like Nike shoots and like Adidas stuff all the time and tons of like product photographers and all that stuff. So it was mostly photography. Anyways, long story short, what happened was this was literally when the Sony a7R 2 dropped, right? So like everybody knows like the a7S 2 was like the OG Sony mirrorless that fucking destroys video. And it was like insane. And that was like a huge, huge game changer. Like DSLRs were getting like kind of phased out a little bit. Like there are a lot of people who are still on the fence about it. Like old school photographers, Nikon, Canon shooters, Nikon shooters. Fuck Nikon. <laughs> Fuck I, can't, I, can't believe fuck you, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> I don't know why it was the first thing that <laughs> first brand. Um, no, it's funny though. Like a lot of older photographers, like wildlife, like it's all Nikon. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. Everybody all shits. the old school guys that the, the shoot sports yeah. all rip Nikon. Oh, dude, yeah. All people people want to like you know smack around Nikon a little bit. <laughs> Potato camera, Sam Newton, you know, whatever. Um, but no, I mean they've they've been the champs because they spent so much. Dude, these guys have spent forty grand on glass and they don't want to swap. Dude, you know? yeah, they're. There's no their, like the their back long of their lenses lineup is oh, yeah. unmatched. Dude, and you see these lenses at these games and like other things that I've I've shot and these guys, dude, these lenses look like they've just thrown it down a bag of rocks and just like they're like, yeah, just throw it in my car, like throw that oh my God, throw that dude. lens. Yeah, they've had it for like twelve years. It's like like, like dude, it's been dropped out of the back oh, of yeah. like safaris and stuff, oh, and they're yeah. just like, Yeah, it works great. <laughs> um so the A7R2 dropped in if you know people who are like camera nerds and stuff have been doing it for a while that was the first Sony that literally had like the fucking aimbot autofocus mm. wasn't like eye tracking but it was like the phase tracking like the phase detection system um Canon obviously was also releasing some cameras that were starting to do like the dual pixel autofocus and stuff and so like it quickly went from like oh like these cameras are not only doing good video to like now you can like vlog with these things and actually get shit done um, so having, uh, working at the store, I had access to like employee discounts, said, fuck it and bought this, bought the Sony. And I was like, you know, it's great because it's like high resolution. It's great for photo. It's great for video. And I was like, you know what? Like, fuck it. I'm going to start like vlogging a little bit and like kind of doing some stuff like with like the photo shoots I was working on and like doing the cinematic sequence vlogs. Like, um, there's a handful of people that were kind of just starting to crack into it at that time. Like that was like right at the exact same time Peter McKinnon started posting some of his first. Um, Casey obviously was like a huge inspiration for me to unlike, you know, or excuse me, like everybody else in the world. Um, Justin Escalona also was like huge inspiration. Like I loved Daily his Docs. Daily Docs. God, bro. dude, loved him in college. Yeah, it was no, so he fun. was uh, so fun. When he put out the A7S2, it was like, 
whoa yep you know yeah game changer you i remember like, that exact video with that porsche thing on mm-hmm. on uh what was it what's the street main fairfax he's just like filming cars and shit it's dude so yeah it's like that you get the slow-mo like 60 frames like actual usable color and it was like it was just like a total game changer like nothing like this had existed in, in the industry and so at that point it started making the vlogs right like Daily Docs, like, yes, I, I definitely took a lot of inspiration in the early phases, but it's like, you know, that's how you learn. You know, the, I, I'm planning on talking about this in another video at some point. Like, you, you learn by trying things, you learn by copying things, and you eventually craft your own style. Anyways, so I started doing the vlogs for, I don't know, probably, I think the first year, this is all while I was working at the camera store, I had made like about like 50 or 60 videos. So pretty much like a video a week. That I was going for it. and some there were some phases where I was like going harder and I would do like three or four days back to back uploads. Um, but I, again, it was never really with the intent of like making it a career, becoming a content creator again, like everything that had led up to this with all the other YouTube videos that I, that I had created, like the same kind of mindset I had was this was still in play. Like I just wanted to make videos and like keep learning like what I'm doing with like photo and video, meeting these people and like having something to like show to people of like some of the things I'm working on. Um, a year goes by and I'm making all these, you know, this, this content, I had grown my channel maybe to like 2000 subscribers or so like had a pretty good early start like you know had a lot of a lot of really good feedback and i was just like willing to learn as quick as i could and by the end of that um i had i had actually gotten fired from pro photo supply i don't know if you get i, I think i briefly talked about it on ed's podcast I didn't know that. there's a there's a whole whole backstory to it I, I did do a video kind of sharing but i haven't like fully shared all the details but long story short like they were just like they got a little tired of me like constantly taking days off and like constantly renting equipment like it got to a point like like you said there were some days where i would i'd film like a little bit of stuff inside at the store and at first like my boss like my supervisor and like a lot of the employees were like stoked like they, they thought it was so sick that like Good i'm this young you guys. kid yeah. like just like actually creating things like not just selling the cameras and like making commission and then going home and like has nothing to do with it like they encouraged their employees to like you know be a part of the industry because it helps sell the gear like when you're passionate about it Um, so doing those videos and like, you know, creating in the store, like it was a ton of fun, but it did get to a point. Yeah. Where it kind of got me in trouble a little bit. Like they, they kind of were like, Hey, we can kind of clearly see that you're, you're taking advantage of the equipment and kind of the access into it and stuff. And, you know, you're clearly saying like you're from pro pro photo supply and like you're showing the front of the store. So it's like their contention was that like, this is starting to kind of look like content, like on behalf of the brand. So at that point, they're like, okay, well, like you didn't get permission with us to like be, you know, sort of presenting pro photo supply. Like we don't really like everything you're doing in your videos. Like, yeah, I was doing some bullshit stuff with okay. my friends, not like, like fuck shit, like David Dobrik stuff. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? But I was like, yeah, with some stupid jokes and like random shenanigans or whatever. And blowing up fireworks. <laughs> blowing up fireworks, dude. <laughs> Middle of the video. <laughs> <laughs> thumbnail just my face is just roasted the classic he's on the roof of the camera store like yeah. blowing up fireworks fireworks <laughs> uh, i wanted the shot dude. Yeah. I wanted the- <laughs> from like um, seven angles drones yeah ahead. yeah yeah the new dj hydro just dropped <laughs> um but it it got to a point where you know it was it was pretty obvious to them that like i was you know using you know the the benefits um and on top of that again like you know, I was taking time off. I, I kind of had a shitty situation happen. One of the photographers, not going to say his name because it's not relevant, but one of the photographers I had worked with that invited me out to go a shoot, shoot and assist for him. 
um, I, I took that day off. Like I requested it off. He came back in the next day after and was talking to my supervisor because they like had chatted a few times. And he, he, she was like, oh, you know, like what, what have you been up to? And he's like, oh, just, just shot some stuff yesterday with Ryan. Like, you know, it was like, it was super sick. We went down to like the Florence Dunes in Oregon, shot some crazy photo. Like Dunes it's one of my sick, though. one of my favorite, Dunes are it's so sick. one of the photos that I shot there was printed and it's been hanging in my house. Like it's one of my favorite photos I've ever oh, taken. Yeah. Um, but it, he totally just like blew your cover just <sighs> threw me under the bus with, yeah. and not not his fault but then yeah later she comes over to me and she's like hey so i heard you were like out like pretty late last night like with your your photographer friend like is that like why you showed up late this morning and i was just like oh my god oh, no did they, so they start to catch up on it they start to catch up how and many like, youtube videos do you think you have at that point at that point at that point on my channel probably 60 or 70 videos and i would say yeah maybe like 10 or 15 of them had like content of me like at the store like doing something like the employees were like su again like such homies like they were so stoked to like be a part of this stuff and like seeing me create things like a cu couple of them are i'm still in contact with like they love everything that i've been doing um but yeah i mean it got to a point where like they just they weren't having it they'd had it yeah, yeah. so they just sat and brought me in i walked in to, for my shift and they were just like hey can you come upstairs real quick <laughs> oh. i'm just like dog you gotta fucking do it to me like this and i, I it was like a good day to like it was sunny weather and uh, i was like feeling pretty good one out of 365 <laughs> but i will say dude ask for forgiveness don't ask for permission and Preach. i i think that you like pushing the boundaries at the store like it was for sure worth it like it sounds as though your time at the camera store like served its purpose for 100%. obviously like teaching you about camera stuff getting in and getting experience on set mm -hmm. um and kind of just like got your foot in the door in the whole filmmaking space you did bring up like getting to do these shoots and you're working for free yeah can you touch a little bit on the importance of working for free at the beginning of your career to gain experience yeah uh, it's it's invaluable right like there's so many people that that you know kind of maybe start researching or asking friends that they know that are in the industry like hey like is, is film school worth it or like should i buy this course like all these different ways that they feel you know might be a good next step or decision that will help them maybe maybe get started maybe learn something maybe find their style the biggest biggest tool that you have available to you is the people around you like you have all these networks of people that you can tap into like if you're just willing to show up and be a good person and get help get the job done right like the biggest thing that i think i think a lot of people struggle with is is feeling as though that like when they first get started like we all hear the thing like you know we photographers content creators video we, we need to get paid what we're worth right like the industry is just getting so diluted and so oversaturated that like you get people who are getting taken advantage of my point is is like i feel like if you're just trying to get into the industry just trying to get your foot in right like you have so much time coming that you're going to be able to make that money like you're going to be able to actually get some cash from a project and so that's like the big tool that i ended up using to my advantage like at the stores like i'm making an income right now like i've you know i'm working like part-time full-time or whatever it's like yeah you know, i don't need to make cash off these guys like i'm just i want to learn and experience some stuff and so like why not just be a really good face and just like show up and be a homie and say like yeah i'm done for whatever like i'll pull up show up on time 
get the job done. Don't be on your phone. Like, just yeah. like learn, absorb it, be a sponge. And that probably made them want to call you back. They're like, this guy doesn't have an ego. He's oh, showing yeah. up. He's excited. We want to hang out with him. And then they're going to keep calling you. It then you're going to turns get... into paid work. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it went from like multiple shoots for free to like, oh yeah, like I can toss you a hundred bucks. And I'm like, sick. Yes, like that first hundred my... bucks. And you big. get lunch too. And you're just Ooh. like, damn, like I, my off day, I make a little cash. Um, <laughs> and yeah, eventually some of those guys like just through like word of mouth and them seeing like me create things like you know make my own content outside of everything i was doing they you know eventually referred me to like some jobs and stuff and i was actually able to actually go shoot some stuff for them and so that was like the step to to making everything that i was doing from hobby to a career was just by like being a team player and actually presenting myself and showing up and like being a face do you remember who gave you your first opportunity to actually play a bigger role on the sets because I feel like everyone, there's a point where we're doing free work or whatever, and then you get to a point where you're like, I actually do have a decent little portfolio of three, four videos, five videos that I could show you. Yeah. Do you remember that person that kind of gave you that shot? Uh, it was it was actually Everett Ilgander. Really? Yeah. You guys he, should um, all go check Ilgander's workout. He is one of the Goat. most unique and like untouched like in terms of like style like i've never he everything he puts out is somehow like different than anything that i've ever seen and it's so classic it's so timeless he's primarily he got to start as a photographer he was working for a really big agency in portland called laundry service crushing it with them for multiple years was basically like jordan's brand photographer for uh, forever like traveling all over the world doing photos and just had such a good eye as a photographer that is the moment he picked up video it was just like done deal like buys a red and, and is just like literally shooting like global campaigns for all of these brands like just like one of those guys that like his eyes just like untouched or just excuse me like unmatched um so i was one that was one of the people that i like just tried to be a good person to and just like got his contact he came in and like rented gear one time and i just chatted with him for a bit and you know assisted him a bunch for free um and at that agency he gave me the opportunity one time he was just like yeah like do you want to like come like a second shoot for like this this just like outerwear little you know branded shoot that, that we're doing and so we went out to the Oregon coast and shot some stuff it was in near like short sands beach and like a couple of those other state parks I can't remember the name regardless um shot basically just like the, these jackets on this model um you know for this brand that was contracted through the agency and I just shot some assist photos just like extra coverage and got paid like you know a few hundred bucks or whatever and that was like the first opportunity where I was like wow like if I actually get a little uncomfortable with like what I feel like I'm capable of doing and put myself out there don't be afraid to you know just do your best and be you know confident in your abilities like this can actually maybe turn into something did the imposter syndrome hit you at all before going on 100 percent, really I mean, like i you know he he's amazing now but back then he was truly like one of like the goats yeah, like completely so agree. so so unique and so like yeah i 100 he was like one of my biggest inspirations in terms of like creative style um so yeah like being like a hired shooter to be a part of something he was doing i was just like oh my fucking god like none of my files are gonna look like <laughs> anything compared to the like what he's dumping and so um yeah i mean but that was that was like one of those moments where truly like i i found that the discomfort was like beneficial did you find that you looked at your photos from that shoot and were like oh these are actually like maybe better than what i'm used to shooting i find that 
whenever you're put in uncomfortable situation shooting yep. with someone who's more talented than you, mm-hmm. you're kind of forced to just elevate your game. Yep. No, I mean, it's, it's, I, I looked at them and I was pleasantly surprised, right? But then, it, like, of course, the imposter syndrome sure. kicks right back in and you're like, oh, but, like, he set up that frame. Like, you know, he, he told the model to go stand there and, like, I just got the secondary angle. But it's like, no, at the end of the day, man, like, you could say, yeah, he did most of the work, but you still captured the image, right? Like, you still, like, had the opportunity to click the shutter or, like, press record and, like, you got a good shot out of it. And so you're able to use that kind of assist that you're getting from that supportive person that's kind of helping set up the style of the shoe and you're actually able to absorb some of that stuff and hopefully be able to repeat it on your own. Yeah, and you get to see how his mind works creatively and you get to pull things and be like, I'm gonna remember he put the model there at this angle with this lighting exactly, and be like, I'm gonna do that on this next shoe. Your first time on a big set, I was just remember, I was taking, obviously if you ever make your way onto a big set, do not ever share something on your story it's very confidential stuff oh man but you know we've learned our lesson with that from friends but if you uh, if you do i think it's so important to just maybe get a few phone videos so you can see like oh they're lighting it from this yep. way or who's the yeah. one calling the shots what's the assistant yep. director doing or where's the why is the producer yelling at everybody to like stay on time and you can start to pick up those things and take it to your small 500 hundred dollar shoot yeah and just make it way better you know did you find that when you did make your way onto sets with ilgander and you just kind of keep trugging along the path are you writing these things down are you just taking mental notes what's kind of your process I'm a, I mean I'm like a, a super visual person like I definitely like can remember like exactly what like you know lighting conditions looked like and you know like where I was positioned like camera composition and stuff and so yeah I didn't really take notes or anything but I mean you know as a side benefit of like everything I was doing with like YouTube videos like almost all of the stuff I was learning on any shoot I was on granted yes it was photography all of those like principles and like those creative ideas would translate into like my videos like in the you know the coming months and stuff and so yeah like there was plenty of things like a big part of how i learned a lot about cinematography and like lighting and, and gaffing and actually shaping light was because i was being a, a photo assistant on a lot of like commercial photography sets like where they're in studios and they're setting up lights like everywhere they're putting negative fill up like you're you're actually shaping light at that point to, to take like campaign studio photos so there was a um a set that i was on it was 2018 it was 20 it was the year was 2017 excuse me but the campaign was for 2018 like nike fall like outerwear or something like that and this uh photographer his name's paul reed miller like og commercial photographer in portland like i got referred to him by another person i met at pro photo and i they hired me as a photo assistant for the day i think it made like 250 for that day which at the time was like damn that's like a nice rate i'll take that but it was like a proper set right like there's probably 15 or so client slash agency people on set like the photographer has like a couple of his other assistants and stuff there's a dit on set like multiple pas and so it was like the biggest like most kind of like legitimate feeling commercial set i had been on and yeah that was one of those moments where it was just like i'm doing my job and i'm being available and and like you know getting everything done and taking care of like my tasks but i'm also just like looking at everything like just staring at like what the photographer is saying to the dit and like what they're talking about with regards to the the edits that they're making in capture one and just like everything and so like all of those skills like you know i'm just trying to think like how does that apply to like what i'm doing with like video and like vlogging like how can i use that like lighting principle that they used for their key light like in in like my youtube videos or something and so over time, like you just do enough of those jobs that, yeah, it's not necessarily the the thing that I'm striving for. I'm not trying to be a commercial photographer, but I'm 
taking all of that information that I'm learning and I'm figuring out like, okay, how can I continue to refine everything that I'm doing with all of this knowledge that I'm getting access to? Yeah, totally. Take us back though, to kind of rewind. You get fired from pro photo, you're doing YouTube. Do you use you getting let go by pro photo as like, okay, this is gonna be the catalyst that forces me to go all in on YouTube? Pretty much exactly. I mean, it was like, well, actually, it wasn't all in YouTube. It was just all in on being like a creative entrepreneur. Because um, at that point, I, I had, you know, had some opportunities to, to work like on the freelance side of things. And you know, I was still like kind of doing the photography thing, like taking plenty of people senior photos. So that was like good income. Like if you do enough of that, like you can stack up some cash. Um, but, you know, the moment that that be, me being fired happened like it it like shook me like that was like my first real job that i had like two years two and a half years prior to that you know i was there for about that amount of time you know that's when i basically dropped out of high school that's when i have like a ton of my my friends and that are either going to college or like working like really solid like you know jobs of their own or like labor jobs like i had a bunch of friends that were getting into the union like starting to make like pretty good money so like yeah i get fired from this and i'm like a little vlogger youtube kid and i'm just like well fuck like now (laughs) i'm i'm uh i got some shit to figure out um but i had enough i really did like had enough people that were kind of like in my pocket and on my team that were you know encouraging me that like hey look like you have the skill set and like the mentality and like the the confidence to like actually do something with this like you just gotta start like you know I, at that time I was still living at my my parents house and so I had that I was blessed to like have that kind of safety net of like not really having overhead expenses so it's not like I needed to like just go out and start making income I didn't have like crazy amounts of bills to pay um, but it was like I can't waste time here like I can't like just be that kid who dropped out of school and like try to be a YouTuber or whatever and then just like got fired from a camera store um and so at that moment it was like I need to take the content that I'm doing like seriously and like actually put some intention behind it and that was kind of like where my channel definitely pivoted and kind of evolved a little bit from like oh I was just making cinematic daily vlogs or whatever it wasn't daily, but cinematic vlogging and like a little bit of stuff to where it was like, oh, people are like really engaging with this stuff and like asking for tutorials or like asking like how I learned these things. And so that, that was kind of the moment, probably the year, like 2017 ish, 2018, that, you know, I realized like, oh, I can, I can use this as a platform to like tell stories. What's also interesting is that anyone that's making content specifically on YouTube around the photo video niche, it's not like that's ever a hundred percent what you do yeah even the biggest person on youtube in this niche let's take peter mckinnon for example he's still working on documentaries and like high level commercial shoots Mm -hmm. so you bringing up i guess going back to my question of like did you go all in on youtube i feel as though you're never gonna go like you're putting a lot of time and energy into the youtube stuff for photo video but like you're never going to stop doing freelance work or working on other projects as a photographer or videographer right yeah i mean it's that's oddly enough like it's some somehow such a big misconception like i even make the mistake myself of like having creators and stuff that i watch and look up to who i'm just like damn like they they're just like doing this yeah you know what i mean but at the end of the day like those are probably the guys that are doing the same thing as me where they have like 40 other things going on outside of these videos, but like, they just like have like their thing going, like yeah. their, their groove, um, with the content. Um, and yeah, so like at that moment it was, it, I don't think it was 
go full-time YouTube mindset. It was just like, you know, I need to be serious about like, if I'm going to continue to try and be a content creator, vlogger, filmmaker, like whatever you want to call it. Like, I think we all have a hard time, you know, properly labeling ourselves, even at this point, you know, it was like, regardless of whatever title I end up landing on, like, I just need to be making like serious life choices and like actually making sure that like the energy I'm investing into these, these videos is not just like spinning wheels and like, you know, making pieces of content for, excuse me, for fun solely leading up to that. I think a lot of it was that it was me having fun. It was me just like learning for the sake of learning because it was like something exciting at that point. But you know, you hit a point with your hobby, with your passion where it's like, oh, I can make this my livelihood, but it might mean that I have to have some days and have some projects that kind of suck. Like you kind of have to eat shit a little bit. You make that conscious decision that like, this is no longer only going to happen just when it makes me happy or when it's like, I feel inspired or motivated. Like I am actually going to commit to making this like a career path. (laughs) Did you feel like there was there a point where right right now you're full-time creative right you got you got money coming from different avenues we've talked about is the youtube situation everything you thought it was going to be (laughs) that's a good one no i mean it's youtube was so weird i mean right like at that point you know kind of like again we're talking like peak Casey Neistat, like Peter McKinnon's blowing up. Like it's, you have all these guys that like look like they're just destroying it and like they're getting these brand deals and stuff. And like I had started getting like a little taste of that. Like I'd started getting like my first few little like Squarespace sponsorships and like it's like, oh, sick. Like this is crazy. Now I'm actually like making some money off videos because like as many of you know, like AdSense and the money you actually profit from the views on YouTube, it's like nothing. Like unless you're pulling hundreds of thousands of views weekly like you're really not making like any income um so finally getting to see you know the the income actually become something was great but at the same time it was still like so insignificant like it was still like i'm i'm doing a senior photo shoot for like half a day or whatever and it's like still making me more money than like you know these 20 youtube videos that i put in a bunch of work for um and so there was a lot of phases kind of throughout the 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 last like five years of like my channel where like some months i was like damn this is sick like youtube is like doing really good like i feel like i'm you know i'm getting like some good recognition like people are commenting and saying things that like i was hoping to hear and you know i'm getting opportunities but then there's also some months where it's just like damn this is a lot of fucking work for like not a lot of like you know payout you know what i mean and so it's it's been tough like i i definitely think my mentality with it and the approach and sort of mindset that i've had that youtube for me i'm not a full-time youtuber but it is a very big part of like my life and like what creatively fulfills me. It's like being able to use it as a platform to have a unique voice and tell a story or experiences in my life and have creators be able to take away something from that and be able to grow and maybe help them in their own journeys. Like that is all I could have ever hoped it to be. And, you know, I'm trying to now currently like just keep looking at it like that because it's I I think for one it helps me make better videos when I remove myself from those numbers and from the finances of all of it and I just create videos that are passionate and and important to me Um, but also too it's like I think that there's a lot of people on the platform who are creating kind of for the wrong reasons like who are maybe started making filmmaking videos because they just want the free gear or you know are 
hustling out all these shorts because they just want to get up like a huge audience number but they don't really have any like long-term intention for like what they're doing or like what they're what message they're trying to say and so being kind of removed from those variables i think just has given me more breathing room like more freedom and you know i think it's helped me build like a pretty unique kind of like name and like audience and and like sort of community for myself you bring up removing yourself from these videos and kind of going into it egoless in in a way how do you deal with not looking at the numbers of views that you get and having that affect your numbers because Braden and I are doing this 30 for 30 challenge where we're posting every mm-hmm. day and it's like okay great we're showing up every day we're putting in the work but man this video like flopped yesterday like Damn. and the day before and like <laughs> like how do you deal with that mental battle of like okay I'm posting every week but I thought this video was a banger and like from a numbers perspective, maybe it didn't get as many views as you thought. Yeah, it's it's really tough. And I don't think that there's really like a definitive way or a definitive solution that that anybody can really tell, you know, to to people that can fix it. You know what I mean? Like there's no miracle cure. Like everybody has like a different ego. Like everybody has a different sense of like competition and all the kind of these like perceived emotions that come, you know, as a side effect of of posting your your life online. But the one thing that I've really found has like made such a huge, huge difference, right? Like I, I can relate with you guys. Like I've, I've posted now a couple of videos pretty recently and my consistency as of the last like six months has been pretty shit. So I'm like stoked that I'm like getting back into a groove and posting some more things. But yeah, like my last couple of videos have just tanked and it's like, it's, it's super discouraging for sure. But what has really, really helped me over like the last handful of years, especially as like life's just getting more serious, like I'm doing more things outside of the, the channel, but I'm also getting bigger brand opportunities with the YouTube channel, is that showing your video, you know, online and having all these strangers and just random people that you, you know, had never known. Of course, yeah, you've got some of your like long-term audience members that you recognize and like they'll say great things, but you also get a lot of people who are saying like, just, you know, oh, blah, 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 the brand deals are really annoying on your channel or like, yeah, you, you talk for too long or the background music or whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? Like that stuff, it definitely takes a toll on you. Like it does take away and, and especially then you see the numbers to coincide with that and you're just like, fuck, like, damn, this is like tough. What's helped me is, having a network of people around you who are doing similar things to you and and do support you know having like those people who you might look at on the platform as competition just like no like make friends with them like we're all like pretty independent as creators and it's nice to be able to have like a community of people that you can like text and be like yo like i i've been working on this video like i've got some ideas for the title like what do you think like you know what what do you what thumbnail would you pick or whatever showing your video to them and when you get those handful of comments from guys like that that you do know that you do respect or even if you just text it to him and you're like yo would like you know just drop this new video would love to get your thoughts on it the fulfillment that comes out of that their feedback the people that you actually you know kind of have like meaning toward or or uh, you know a good respect toward that stuff is like really fulfilling or when you do get those comments from people that they send a dm and they're just like dude like that video like hit home like i've been feeling those things for like multiple months now haven't really been able to put my finger on it so it's like so amazing to hear that you're like you're going through these same things too like it makes me feel really good and i'm like damn like that helps me a lot like knowing that like i am making an impact with some people and you know i do have my friends who i respect their work they're looking at it and they're like dude that was a sick fucking video like nice like good work 
And so like those moments, like those like small little wins that you can take, like I think if you really just allow your brain to consciously separate the two, like those will outshine the like the bad numbers and the bad weeks. I, no, I think you're so right because you get so wrapped up in it, dude. Like you, especially when you're in it and you're making stuff and you're putting a ton of time and effort into it. And like, I'm staying up super late. I'm working a job during the day. I'm exhausted, you know? And so still trying to put out like good content, but you talked about those small wins. And I think that you had a huge win recently. You went on a seven continent tour for, (laughs) is it a triathlon person? He's a triathlon guy, right? Right. It's, um, He's, he's much more of a, an everyday guy than he is an athlete. Like he doesn't label himself as an athlete, but okay. he's a, a really amazing human. He's a very big mental health advocate, you know, has supports a ton of nonprofits and stuff. Um, and he had a really interesting idea of attempting a world first, uh, seven triathlons in seven continents in seven consecutive days. So psycho. Yeah. Right. Like <laughs> that's insane. Little fucking out there i brought this idea up to brayden like a year ago i was like we should do that wouldn't that be <laughs> oh my god <laughs> you're like damn i, I had that what are you doing this weekend brayden like, <laughs> yeah let's go to yeah. seven continents yeah man. how do you even prepare for something of that magnitude and second question had you ever filmed a documentary like like any documentary stuff like that before well how do you prepare for one uh with the way that the timeline and kind of approvals for all the funding and sponsors to pay us and to pay for all the project logistics, we should have had a good three months or so for kind of like pre-production and just like getting familiar with things and like really planning out and mapping out like what we were going to be shooting. Um, But we didn't get a green light from, well, the athlete himself didn't get a green light from the sponsors that were going to be paying for everything, paying, including us until a week and a half before we were scheduled to fly out. So long story short, it's like, well, we, my, my second shooter, well, my creative assistant director, amazing guy, just multi-talented, uh, Brett Blackwell, we like in that three month span from when we first got approached about it and kind of, we proposed a, a whole package or whatever to that mark, like we, we had other things going on. Like we were getting booked for stuff and like, we had these dates kind of like softly held, but it was just like, there was no real movement on it. So it's like, we're not, like, I don't really have the, the time to invest like into pre-pro, like without knowing that something's going to happen. So yeah, we, we didn't really prepare <laughs> to be honest. Um, yeah, you know, we, if we get the, get the phone call, um, like about two weeks before and he's like, yeah, you guys still available. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're going. Um, so at that point it was like a mad scramble, uh, to get all of the equipment together, like really start trying to figure out like, how are we going to capture this story? Like, you know, the crew that we had, it was myself, um, you know, my second shooter slash director, supportive guy, Brett. Um, and that was pretty much it. That's amazing. I mean, that's crazy. We, we did. It, and this was like a crazy last minute thing, but there was um, another really talented creative. Her name's Ali Salazar. Um, she's based out of Texas that uh, Ray had known. Ray's the athlete, Raymond Braun. He had known her for a long time. He had worked with her in the past on just like branding stuff. She's like an amazing designer and just like sort of like creative director girl. Um, and so last minute, the logistics, uh, like the travel logistics for all of it, they said that there's like an open seat. Like we can get one more person on like, for like a, a, a significantly cheaper rate than what every like our else everybody else's seats costed um and so we brought her on she did it spec like unpaid 
just because it's like the craziest experience, yeah. right? Like you're gonna like, turn down somebody saying like, hey, do you wanna yeah. go to Seven Continents? Um, and so she ended up being kind of like our producer slash fixer, kind of just like project manager. Um, throughout the whole project, we had like a ton of sponsor deliverables and stuff. Cause that was like the main funding was like all of these sponsors that were like, like ZOA, the rocks energy, energy drink brand, athletic greens, um, Harry's like grooming and shaving. There's like four more that I can't remember. <laughs> was right Condor now. Blue one of them? Or? No. So that's, you know, in, in the name of like preparation for everything, um, I needed equipment and stuff. It's like, I have a lot of stuff. Don't get me wrong. I got a lot of gear, but like dock stuff and especially like moving at that insane of a pace, like you got to have the perfect rig and you got to bring exactly what you need and nothing more, nothing less, because it's like, we're, we have to lug all this shit around, like all over literally across the world. So it's like, we need to be perfectly stripped down with enough like functionality to get the shots we need without anything being like too much. Can't be too heavy. Can't be too, you know, whatever. Um, so I have, you know, uh, through the amazing community that I've built and like these YouTube channels like have, or excuse me, these YouTube videos have, you know, gotten to be really close with like a lot of different companies. So Condor Blue was incredible to provide, you know, basically all of the rigging for, um, we had two FX3s is what we shot on. We had a backup one. Um, they provided the rigging to, you know, set these cameras up. I actually went to their headquarters. They're kind of east to like, um, I don't know, like another 30 minutes past like Riverside, like just kind of that direction. Um, and went in there for a day and like just played around with a bunch of their stuff was like running around in their warehouse. Like they're amazing guys. Like if you guys haven't used any of Condor Blue stuff, um, it's literally a locally owned business. Like they are filmmakers themselves. The owner of the company, Lucas Colombo, like has owned a production company for like 15 years. Like he's director DP and just wanted better rigging stuff. <laughs> and so he just started making it. And then within a couple of years, it just took off. And they have great stuff. So anyways, if you guys are into camera rigs and stuff, Condor Blue, they're great. Cal 15% off at checkout um i think it might be cow 10 cow 10 <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but yeah so condor blue provided all the rigging um I, I have a really good relationship with sony as you guys know and so sony was actually able to lend us a couple of the fx3s and like some lenses and stuff because i i had an fx3 at the time but we needed a few um and a bunch of lenses and so they gave us you know a, the full package to get everything done and so it was like the the somehow like the resources that I've accumulated, like just perfectly fell into place to like, okay, great. Like we're fucking it. We got one week out, like it's go time. And I'm like, just texting everybody I know, like trying to get all this stuff together. And it, you know, it worked out like it, it's, it didn't, <laughs> of course I look back on it now and like how we film things. I'm like, could have done this better. Like, could have used this lens. Of course. It's like, you know, like for, for what we were given and the time and like the resources, like, yeah, we shot, we shot an amazing film. And so that documentary itself is, again because the timeline was so crazy and we didn't have the pre-pro and like the full budget like we still have some stuff to film still some backstories we're going to go back to some of the locations and inter interview some people um, and then we'll move into editing but yeah we're just waiting on some more sponsors to fund wow. the rest of it so if you're watching like yeah soon wow. um, the trailer the yeah. trailer itself maybe coming out fairly soon it's where we're waiting on a green light for something right now and so i'm really really excited about that um, so yeah, maybe, maybe by the time this is out, maybe you guys can go check, check, Ooh, my, check, check my out page. The yeah. Maybe you can go find it. Um, but you asked another question and it was, had I done any other documentary work that, you know, had given me prior experience or any, any, you know, tools or things to lean on past to past experiences. Oddly enough, I, uh, I actually shot a, I wouldn't necessarily call it a full on documentary, but I shot a lot of doc content for an athlete. Uh, this guy is a 
literal superhuman. Um, his name is Colin O'Brady. He holds, I want to say like seven or eight world records. He was the first person to solo unsupported, unpowered cross Antarctica, literally the continent of Antarctica. And then he did it in 45 days or something like that. I don't know if you guys, I mean, it was like a thousand miles. That's in crazy. Antarctica. You went. You went to Antarctica. I, did I the did, cameras work in Antarctica? They did. They did. Fine. Dude, completely yeah, the, fine. Those the, like FX threes. Like people like kind of shit on Sony's because like there's real cinema cameras and big boy cinema cameras, and they got the FX three. That's kind of like a small little camera. No, those things are legit. I had the FX three until it got stolen out of my car, but it was great. While, <laughs> great while I had it. Thing was the little tank. Nuts. Dude, it's amazing, dude. That's beautiful though. Anything. Yeah. Okay, one thing besides pre production that you would change going back into filming something like that just one thing besides pre-production besides time nothing time related more so like you're in the field and you're like ooh, someone really needs to know this if they go cover a documentary i think one of the biggest things and it's obviously it's going to depend on like the type of narrative you're trying Definitely. to tell like how much time you're spending with a singular character are you sitting down with like a ton of individual people like you know um you know if you're shooting a doc that's fundamentally based around like a, a person or a group of people and you're getting to spend a lot of time with them the best moments like the most emotional things the things that you might not even think are relatable to the story always tend to come like when you least expect it so you have to be conscious and just like listening to people like while you're on a doc shoot and especially if it's like a multi-day thing ton of travel it's tough like you you, you get tired you want to rest right like you don't like you can't be like turned on 24 7 but truly some of the best moments like in the dialogue and everything that we shot in that doc like came when we were just like rolling the camera like randomly like when he's about to like pass out and i'm just like i'm about to fall asleep too and i'm just like wide angle lens just like camera sitting over here and he'll like drop like the most like emotional like one-liner and it's like wow like you can't script that shit you know what i mean like especially in a doc it's like yeah of course we would have loved to have like a little bit more of a story to like lean into and have some like heroed bullets that we're kind of looking for while we're filming we didn't have that and so yeah it's like you do your best to kind of each day go out and capture and keep trying to like envision what the story is going to become in your head but the biggest thing is like those moments just like just happen when they happen and so being ready like at all times to just like get a shot and like be confident that like your framing is going to work like not overthinking like what lens you're using not overthinking what the lighting looks like it's like doc really relies on the story more so than any type of filmmaking yeah if you're not telling the, the story if the you know if the backbone message isn't right like nobody's going to watch the fucking documentary mm -hmm. so you know, it doesn't matter if the shot's not perfect. Like if you're able to like capture those, like those gems, those like emotional moments that can actually add some like weight and like drama to the story, like those are what you need to look for. So it's tough. I can't, you know, it's not, it's not like the most conclusive advice. No, but I think that is great advice. Yeah, I think so. I think it's great. Yeah. And do you see yourself wanting to do more doc work? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like, it's funny because so much of what I've really been working toward the last like two years or so, a big part of like why I moved to LA is like a lot of the commercial cinematography stuff has been like kind of what I'm like super engaged in. And it's like, it's what's kind of getting me a little bit of like a, a portfolio and, you know, I'm starting to build like a pretty good reputation with clients and stuff. I'm, you know, able to shoot some cool campaigns with like Adidas and stuff like that. I saw that. I showed you that. Yeah, remember I, I, I was watching and I was like, dude, you got to check out Ryan's new video for Adidas. It was sick. Thank yeah, you, dude. Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, I've, I've been able to do some really unique stuff um, with those companies and uh, have surprised myself like every time. Like I always go into it thinking like I'm this, I'm way in over my head. You know what I mean? And then you, you know, you do the thing exactly what we were talking about before. It's like you go out and shoot, you know, maybe there's somebody who's really kind of helping. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, you, you still created the piece as much as I'm really, really enjoying the commercial filmmaking and I'm getting like some really interesting roles and like creating some crazy pieces. Um, the doc stuff is like it's close to my heart. You know what I mean? Like I love getting to like be close to people and like really learn something unique about them and have like that creative tool and ability and skill set to take like that special thing about that person and like share it with other people and make like a story and a film out of it like to me that's like i feel like it's a, it's a fucking superpower 100 percent. yeah you're you're getting able you're being able to amplify someone's message and someone's voice it's a special it's, thing it's the weirdest thing to think about like a lot of people when they think about like oh should i be like a content creator like should i maybe start making youtube videos and then they, of course, like quickly second guess themselves. And they're like, and there's nothing like unique about like what I'm doing. Like, I'm not like that good at it. Like, I don't really have like that much skill. Like you're there's plenty of, of people. Shit, dude. You're, you're good at this stuff. Shut up. No, it's not that. It's, it's the fact that while I don't necessarily think I'm like amazing, like I recognize like I have skill, but I think the one thing that has helped me continually do it just every year and like not give up on it and keep learning and growing is the fact that like the stories I tell, like they're just authentic to me. And while in my own head, I not, might not believe that like my story is like the, the most unique or it's like the most inspiring or it doesn't necessarily have like the, the best takeaway. It's like my story is still like unique to me and there are people who are going to relate to that story. Like no matter how boring you think you are as a person, it's like you have like a story, you have a voice and people will relate to it like in the most unassuming ways and it's it's a crazy thing like the, the shit that like people have like responded to me on like with certain videos i worked on even stuff that like wasn't even like super serious it was just like something i said in an instagram story and like people are just like do that like made my day like using that to your advantage and like leaning into that and feeling confident about like who you are and like what you present like it's 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 an amazing tool and so that directly relates to like what i'm saying about like what's so amazing about like documentaries like i can find that with people like I can sit with them and like, you know, work on something and then figure out that like, yeah, they're like a, an incredible speaker. So like, I want to like get them saying some really amazing stuff and like make something powerful out of that. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's truly, um, an, an unbelievable feeling like having that, that opportunity to work with people in that way. I also feel like if you find someone who has a very unique, incredible story, you almost feel like it's your job as a filmmaker to shine a light on that person's story because you're like the world needs to see this yeah dude i mean it's like they're like like i'm saying it's like everybody has something yeah like no no matter how insignificant it might seem it's like a lot of people like have incredible stuff or like incredible stories of of you know adversities or you know growth moments and things to share wisdom uh, that they just they don't have a, a way to do it like they don't have the voice or they don't have the confidence or the skill set and so like that's like a really really powerful thing as, as filmmakers that we get the opportunity to do is like to come into people's lives whether it's a you know an athlete like i just worked with or whether it's a, a small business like you know based here in los angeles that like has an amazing product or has like some insane new thing that they're working on but they just like they don't have the opportunity or the resources to be able to like get that story out there in, in an authentic and like quality way and so like getting our skills built up around you know the idea of being able to tell those stories is like a really really powerful motivator for me 
I love that. You brought up Sony and that you have a great relationship with them. You've gotten to go to Sony camp, which <laughs> my invite, Braden, must have gotten lost in the mail. I don't know how I didn't Dude, get yeah. invited. Went to Jayhawk, he said. <laughs> oh, he, oh, they rerouted oh, to Chicago. Yeah, there was like the return there to was a list. Uh, like, there was that list. That Maybe they, next year. Yeah, the list they Maybe came next out with. Year. Sony camera camp, yeah. It's, um, it's my second time going. It's, it was the second one that they had put on. Um, amazing, amazing event. It's like, I, I and weirdly enough, yeah, there was quite a few people that like were like, damn, like, seems like this is like pretty, uh, like, you know, they picked their favorites type of thing. Like, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm a Sony guy and I didn't get an invite and stuff. And it's like, it's, it's not good enough. Be honest, with them. <laughs> Be honest with them. Come on. Just, just, just drop some, drop some real hard truths real quick. <laughs> yeah. You just suck. And that's why you didn't get invited. <laughs> No man, it's it has it has nothing to do with skill set. You'd be really surprised at the demographic of people that were there. It's like, dude, there were some people there that sucked ass. I was like, how did they get an invite? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no oh, man, shit. I, really good friends. There. I mean, obviously, like, there's a few of like the heroes that are there. Like, you know, Maddie Hopoyo is there. Yeah. Like, Gene Potato Jet. Like, you know, a bunch of these like really amazing camera youtubers and that's why i think a lot of people like see it see it like all over social and youtube and they kind of like you know turn a little side eye a little bit they're like damn like all right just like all these like big ass camera youtubers that are about to go drop reviews about the new camera like i don't give a fuck i didn't even get invited um but no there was a ton of really unique like there's a ton of like social people like strictly social like tiktokers that have no fucking clue about cameras oh really that were invited like just people that make videos about like travel and food and then there was like a youtuber there her name's shannon something but she makes she makes YouTube videos. She has nothing to do with filmmaking, but she makes YouTube videos about like cybersecurity and like hacking and like antivirus, like just all this crazy stuff. And she's like a chance, you know, like 90 or 100K or something like that. It's a squad for everybody, man. Dude, yeah. Sony, like the first camera camp I went to back in 2019, pretty specific to like photo video people. Um, you know, the name camera camp, you know, makes you... <laughs> kind of obvious uh but this one yeah they they their team went out of their way to like be inclusive so it's like yeah i know there's a lot of people that were like damn i i wish i got invited but it's like it doesn't you don't have to be a sony like little simp or anything like you don't have to be some insane like youtuber filmmaker or whatever it's like they they are really trying to just cultivate more connection and more you know technology and access to that technology to bigger audiences do you, do you enjoy being around all of those creatives does that inspire you or do you feel like you're like all right i've got enough creativity now i'm gonna go back and <laughs> Dude, like edit yeah stuff. it's it's funny like ev pretty much everybody that i'm i'm close with at least like kind of you know my photo video friends youtubers and stuff we all kind of go through the same thing where it's like you get there and you're like mad stoked and you're like this is so sick like you get to see everybody and like actually like put names to faces and whatnot the next day rolls around and you're like damn like everybody's got the cameras out like they're going crazy creating content you like all these like tiktok kids are like going crazy making reels about the new doing the dance <laughs> <laughs> that, no, it's funny. Like they, I think there was also like a weird kind of energy that people felt like a little bit obligated to like make stuff about. So they announced a new camera while we were there. That took away from it a little bit. I think the first camera camp, there wasn't any new cameras. They they give they have this whole setup of a bunch of Sony equipment that you can go and you know borrow for the day and like try out and go crazy. Um, but yeah, they announced a new camera, which is it's an amazing camera, the ZVE one. Um, I'm going to be doing some some films and some upcoming projects with it at some point soon. Um, 
but yeah, that that launch kind of did make few people feel like a little bit obligated, like, oh, I need to like be shooting something about this camera. Like I I ran through that kind of like weird mindset. And so anyways, yeah, you kind of feel like a little bit like creatively pressured. And then like by the second day, you're like, oh, shit, OK, like I can like relax a little bit. Like, I, you know, I'm going to like take the gas off a little bit and actually like hang out with my friends and, you know, enjoy it, whatever, have dinner, have some drinks. Um, and then the third day comes around or whatever, the final day, and you're like, shit, I haven't shot anything. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like looking at all these kids and you're like damn they have already posted four videos oh my gosh and so yeah i mean it it's 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 a weird thing right like you get a bunch of creators in a singular place and like you know it does feel like a little bit competitive but you know the the more you can kind of remove yourself from that and like realize like no this is just an event that they put on like they paid for it like they want people to come out and like enjoy themselves and like build some like community and like rapport you know with each other and like develop new friends um once you're able to kind of accept it for that, like, yeah, it's a great time. That's awesome. Like, I would, I would hope, you know. So, hey, Sony, get these these boys here. Uh, Brandon over here shoots cannon. I'll do whatever. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. We're shooting the pod on an A one F X three, dude. That was a part. Sony A one. Yeah. I'm gonna go take your C seventy and throw it off the bat. Yeah, you hear that, Sony? But you brought up like how important it is, like when you're trying not to focus on the views and everything, to have that community, and it must be great to. I'm sure you've you know, had people that you've been talking to online, you have your internet friends, yep. and then you finally get to meet Jay them Hawk in person. Was one of those boys. He's yeah. sweet, dude, we've never met. We've dude. DM'd for, oh no, we met once, I'm sorry. We met, we met at the Lakers the game. Fuck, man? Yeah, sorry, we met at the Lakers game, we met at the Lakers game. He's a homie, dude, it's fun when, and dude, you. I haven't, I hadn't met you in person. Dude, I know. So we've talked that, forever. I was gonna, like, before, you, you, killer intro, by the way. Dang. <laughs> Nailed that. Um, fuck before yeah. we start, I was, I was gonna say that, I was like, damn, like, I feel, I've been ducking this man for like a year now at this point. I moved to LA, like, coming up on the year, and I just, he's been trying to get me on the pod like every other week, life. I'm I'm sorry. I okay. promise it wasn't intentional. Oh, dude, it's okay. I'm excited. We're, I've been happy, looking forward to it. We're happy you came. It's it's been a fun. It's been a fun pod. What yeah. were you saying? I think it's time for our new oh, hit segment. Me. Hit me with it. Dude, this, we've never done this before. What do we got? This is a brand new one. So it's called Stock and Talk. And oh basically, we stock talking finances. I don't know shit. We stalked your Instagram, and then we're gonna have you talk about it. What I want to bring up. Okay, I got to scroll down a little bit. Should I pull up my phone or should I just no, go like, go on you, yeah, sure. Oh, he's got right. you. He's got you. One sec. Okay. May 14th, 2018. Oh, man. You stopped posting a white border Woo. on your Instagram. Yeah. Now, that's silly, right? But I want to talk a little bit about like switching things up during your career and like Yep. like finding your style and trying new things. That's a really silly thing is like you were consistently posting white borders and you yeah. kind of had like a certain aesthetic and then you decided to go, yeah. you know, in a different direction. But like, have there been times where you've switched up the direction um, career wise or like the type of content you make or like just trying to constantly evolve as a content creator? Oh dude, tons. I mean, it's it's funny. That's um, while that visually appears like a pretty big shift, at the time it wasn't like a huge decision making like it was like i started doing that that like cropped like widescreen with the white borders for a while because that was kind of like right around where youtube and like the idea of like cinematography became like pretty exciting to me and i was like oh shit like i could start posting like more like cinematic frames like those most of those were actual photos but there's like a couple that were like actual screen grabs from like from film and whatnot um and I had just done it for a while and I loved the aesthetic of it, but 
I think the the motivator for that switch was actually that like Instagram was just it was one of those like algorithm change times that it was just like shit was weird. <laughs> sure, and I was just like, damn, like you know what, like maybe I gotta go back to the normal like four <laughs> by five. Like, um, but no, I mean there wasn't a lot that creatively in my head changed at that moment. But throughout the journey of of just just continuing to work and grow, yeah, there's been a ton of them. And what's so weird about them is that when they happen, like when you hit that like rut and you're like all right like my shit looks terrible like i'm not like nothing i'm posting i feel like is like really making me feel like i'm doing good or like putting out like good looking content or quality or whatever um you go through that kind of like a little identity crisis for a sec and it's like scary as fuck like like damn like should i like pivot should i be like should i just do like product videos or something like that or should i just like start doing corporate content just to make the money like you you know you start second guessing a lot of things like when you have those like weird creative like kind of um crises or crises i don't know what the fuck that works for me whatever <laughs> Take it works it. for whatever me too. you say yeah you know, i mean I, I i didn't go to school so. <laughs> <laughs> um but it's as you go through each of those you know maybe maybe a small shift happens when you have that that like big you know roadblock you you change something you, you change the crop of your instagram photo or something like that or maybe you're like you know i i hate my photos looking blue like i want to start making like more like warm looking photos and stuff um those moments of like creative reflection are while scary so important like taking that little breather to just like pull off the the gas a bit and like look at your stuff and like not get into the comparison trap like that's the hardest thing i think when those things happen you immediately go like if you're trying to change your style you start going and looking at everybody and you're just like i can't i'm not gonna come close yeah like this is only gonna like make things worse um but if you can use those opportunities to like just reflect and maybe even again lean into that network that we were talking about and just like talk to some people and just be like yeah like so i mean like how do you feel about your stuff lately like is there anything that's like holding you back like is there anything that's like draining you and actually being able to like assess something about that and make a little adjustment whether it's just like i need to post less like i'm just i'm just i'm tapped out like i need to take a break i need to take a breather like i can't keep feeding the, the machine like this often like it's just taking too much out of me or maybe it comes down to the fact that like yeah i just need to like stop trying so hard to like you know be like a, a model or something like that just like small little like lifestyle adjustments that can directly correlate to like you know affecting how you create and like what makes you still more excited on a daily basis like those little breaks while uh while it might seem like the end of the world might seem like you're you know you know second guess your career and everything you're doing um those moments i find have been like the most valuable for me amazing so we got two more for you and we'll let you get out of here this has been an awesome combo but <laughs> for your next six to 12 months as a filmmaker as a dp what's a few things that you're really trying to get better at that's good i think the biggest thing in my current like workflow and like this this state my state of mind and how i perceive like my brand and you know what what is visible to people and what's not like i feel as though um particularly with instagram i've for a long time like scrolling back through some of those old photos like i leaned into like the influencer thing like quite a bit and like i never really felt like an influencer and i don't think i really like fronted like one but i like certainly you see like a lot of photos of me like in pretty much the same like you know crazy like cliffside or whatever um and i i for a long time like that's just like what got the the views and like the likes and stuff and uh i got really tired of it at a point and i was like yeah i want to start like 
just maybe I should start sharing my work. Like that's like what nowadays is what gets like DP's work is like, what is your, your public presence like represent like what's your like what are you posting on a daily basis right and so it's like you see all these eps that are constantly dropping like frames from their projects or like little clips or even like the full edit or whatever um and i tried to do that for a little bit and it was just it, it flopped so hard and it was like immediately discouraging i'm like damn like yeah okay like i don't really need to share the work it's not like i'm i need to get new clients right now but i just steered away from it for a bit um but as i'm continuing to try and grow and develop as a cinematographer and really show to people that like I do have an eye like I am you know somebody who can jump into a project and deliver like that like creative look that they're looking for for their project posting that work has been like really really important and so the last like year or so I've been kind of doing it but there's like a lot more stuff that I I need to post like I just haven't given it the time or like gone and like made like a a little cut down of the director's cut or whatever Um, and so the next like six to twelve months is like I really really want to take that seriously and and prioritize like don't let that footage that I shot on that project just die and go into a hard drive or whatever. Let's take it, like, let's work with it. Maybe I can get approval from the client to just post the video if I'm happy with it, or I can make a, a director's cut out of it. It's another really powerful thing that a lot of video people don't really know or understand, but just making your own cut of that project and, and allowing that footage to get another life or give you some extra value in the long term. Same, you can do the same thing with photography a little bit, but you know, footage is is footage, and you can edit it a totally different way. And so, yeah, I want to share more of my work and, and keep showing on a public side of things, like all of the the client stuff that I've been doing, and like really, really kind of like feeling good about. Yeah, I think that's smart. Okay, our last question is advice to your eighteen year old self. If you could talk to Ryan back in the day, what would you tell him? I think biggest thing and this is a little bit tricky because it's 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 a little bit unique to me it's not it's not like super universal but i think that i would tell my 18 year old self to really be unafraid to find new friends and find more friends that are supportive of the things that i'm doing that's not to say that like uh, like the friends that I had at that time were like bad friends by any means, but it's like I definitely didn't really value or consider the fact that like having a close circle of people around you would be beneficial to growing as like an artist, right? Like there's that saying like you're you are the product of the five people you surround yourself with or spend your most time most of your time with. And I just never thought about that. Like, I just never really believed that like it made a difference that like a bunch of my friends, again, some of my best friends, but like they just, they're, they work in like manual labor and stuff like that. Like they, you know, they love what I do, but they just, they're it's not like, it's not like they're doing anything that like I can learn from or be inspired from or, you know, look up to. And so what's so different about where I'm at in my life now is that, you know, I'm 26 years old and I'm finally starting to prioritize that and and really like seeking out those relationships. Like even if they're not necessarily like the most like homie of a person, it's like, are you like somebody that I'm, I'm constantly, you know, tapping in with, or they're tapping in with me and just being like, yo, what's up? Like, let's work on something. Like I thought you were, you were supposed to be working on that video. Like, where's that at? Those, those relationships like go like so, so far. And it's, it's so easy to not want to adjust your social circle, but making that change i think sooner in my life i think could have could have helped me get a lot further forward quicker absolutely dude well thank you for coming on the show this was this was a blast episode 67 out now all platforms make sure to hit that sub button leave a like we'll leave ryan's socials all below and we'll see you guys all next week peace peace later